You are listening to the Journal of Rheumatology's Editor's Picks with Dr. Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief. Hi, this is Earl Silverman, Editor-in-Chief, Journal of Rheumatology, bringing you the highlights of the March 2020 issue of the Journal of Rheumatology. First paper to highlight this month is entitled Cardiovascular Event Risk in Rheumatoid Arthritis Compared with Type 2 Diabetes a 15-year longitudinal study, and the paper is by Agka and colleagues. It is well recognized that cardiovascular disease, or CV disease, risk is increased in patients with rheumatoid arthritis RA. The aim of this study was to determine the long-term incidence of both fatal and non-fatal CV events in a longitudinally followed cohorts of patients with RA. The study began in the year 2000 and CV endpoints were assessed at baseline, years three, 10, and 15. Total cohort consisted of 326 patients with RA and they were compared to a reference cohort of 1,869 people. In a secondary analysis, the investigators compared 278 RA patients without diabetes mellitus to 162 patients with type 2 diabetes mellitus, but not RA. The median follow-up of the RA Cohort was 11 years with a range of 2 to 15 years. Over the study period, 95 RA patients developed a CV event during almost 3,000 person years of follow-up, resulting in an incidence rate of 3.2 per 100 person years. This compares to 257 CV events in the control cohort for an incidence of 1.36 per 100 patient years. Please read this article to see how the incidence rates of patients with RA compared with patients with type 2 diabetes mellitus without RA. The authors hypothesized the reasons for this increased CV risk in RA patients and suggest ways to improve cardiovascular outcome in RA patients. The next article to highlight is entitled, Treating Psoriatic Arthritis to Target, Defining the Psoriatic Arthritis Disease Activity Score that Reflects a State of Minimal Disease Activity, and is by Perucchio and colleagues. This article is accompanied by an editorial entitled, To Lump or Split When Assessing Psoriatic Arthritis, not mutually exclusive. This was written by Tallett and Halliwell. The aim of the original study was to validate a cutoff of the psoriatic arthritis disease activity score, or the so-called PASDAS, that defines medical disease activity, or MDA state, in patients with PSA. Reminder, PASDAS is a competent disease score, activity score with a range of 0 to 10. The investigators examined 178 patients with PSA, of which 53.9% were male. 
they identified a PASTA score of 3.2 as a point that maximized the sensitivity at 88% and specificity at 92% for an MDA that was based on five of seven of the PASTAS criteria. An increasing proportion of patients from low to high disease activity required treatment es escalation, which increased from 8.1 to 67% respectively. They also validated the PASTAS cutoff scores previously proposed to differentiate between low, moderate, and high disease activity. Please read this article and the accompanying editorial to determine if you agree with the investigators on the clinical long-term importance of maintaining patients in a state of minimal or low disease activity. After reading these articles, you will learn which were the most common factors associated with a failure to meet the criteria for MDA and the advantages and disadvantages of using either composite and or single item scores to determine the efficacy of treatment in PSA. We now turn to an article in Lupus entitled Neutrophil Extracellular Traps Profiles in Patients with Incident Systemic Lupus and Lupus Nephritis and is by, by Bucci and colleagues. The release of extracellular traps or so-called NATs is an important first line of defense against infection. However, NETs can expose modified autoantigens to the immune system and thereby may be important in the production of autoantibodies. The aim of this study was to determine circulating levels and the kinetics of net formation and removal by DNases in the cohort of SLE patients with and without new onset nephritis. The investigators found that serum net levels were elevated as compared to controls in both cohorts at the time of diagnosis of SLE. The highest levels were found in patients with new onset nephritis as compared to non-nephritis patients. Please read the paper to find out what the clinical and laboratory correlates were with net levels and the potential pathogenic relevance of these findings. The fourth article to highlight is entitled Effect of Timing and Duration of Statin Exposure on Risk of Hip or Knee Revision Arthroplasty, a population-based study, and is by Cook and colleagues. The aim of this study, as may be guessed by the title, was determined that if the timing and duration of statin exposure following total hip or knee arthroplasty influenced the risk of revision of said arthroplasty. The investigators examined 65,032 patients who had a total hip or knee arthroplasty who had a statin exposure and compared them to 86,273 patients who did not have statin exposure during the follow-up time of up to five years. As the authors found significant differences in the baseline characteristics between the groups, a propensity scoring matching method was used to match the individuals. In their propensity score adjusted model, exposure to statins was associated with the 
decreased risk of revision arthroplasty with an overall hazard ratio of 0.82. Please read the article to find out how the timing and or duration of statin exposure that was associated with a decreased risk of revision and which other, fa other factors may have been associated with this decreased risk of a revision. I hope this article helps you decide what is worthwhile or not to start a patient about to undergo total knee or hip arthroplasty on a statin or should you just watch. The final paper the highlight is entitled Factors Influence the Effectiveness of Allopurinol in Achieving and Sustaining Target Serum Urate in a U.S. Veterans Administration gout cohort and is by Singh and colleagues. There is an accompanying editorial entitled Predictors of Success in Gout Treatment by Day, Colesill, Stalker, Gwen, Robinson, and Ong. The aim of this study was to assess factors associated with the ability to achieve and maintain target serum urate levels with allopurinol in patients with gout. In order to achieve these aims, investigators examined the U.S. National Veterans Administration database from the years 2002 to 2012. In order to examine factors associated with successful achievement of a target serum uric acid level of less than six milligrams per deciliter, they examined 45,153 patients with gout who had at least one allopurinol prescription during the study period. In order to examine factors associated with successful achievement of a target serum uric acid level of less than six milligrams per deciliter, they examined 41,153 patients with gout who had a prescription for allopurinol during the study period. This cohort was followed for almost 26 months. Using multivariable adjusted model, the investigators found previously recognized factors and some novel factors that were associated with significantly higher odds of achieving desired outcome and maintenance of the serum uric acid level of less than six milligrams per deciliter. Please read this article to find out what associated factors were involved in achieving success and maintaining the uric acid level of less than six milligrams per deciliter, and which of these factors may be potentially modified by you and which may require systems interventions. Please read the editorial by Day and colleagues, which reviews findings of other studies examining the same desired outcomes and puts the new information provided by this article into the perspective of the current literature on factors associated with successful treatment and maintenance of serum uric acid level targets. I want to thank you for listening to me and hope you read not only the five highlighted articles with their editorials, but also all the articles in the March 2020 issue of the Journal of Rheumatology. Please send any comments or questions to www.jroom.org and hope you will listen next month for the April 
2020 edition of Highlights of the Journal of Rheumatology.